it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom! There it is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who does not have dementia. No, ma'am, Joe Biden does. Tell him like it is. And uh, I will show you the proof in this hour that is very concerning to me. Not as a conservative, not as some Fox News flamethrower, but as an American citizen who does a show everybody's welcome to. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. This isn't one of those shows, but we're going to get into a discussion today. Aaron Berg's going to be here, superstar comedian. You see him on Fox News Saturday night with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Jim Jordan will be here from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. Emily Campagno. She is, of course, the human happy hour, outnumbered host, former head cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, But she's somebody at the end of the day, like Jordan and Berg and me and you, that will play team ball and try to operate with the good of the country in mind. Everybody in this country thinks they are special. Nobody wants to be part of a team. Not on this show. Uh, You're all on the team. Whether you agree with me or you disagree with me. You could be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a boom. There it is. Happy Tuesday, man. I'm in good spirits. Um, a little delirious uh, because I have been here since I don't know what hour because we were doing Fox and Friends this morning. Then we were on Stuart Varney. You'll see me on the Ingram angle tonight. But right now I am here with you uh, trying to have an honest conversation about what Biden did. OK, in this sound clip I'm about to play you where he first tries to make the case that when he won the election, if you remember Biden winning the election of November of 2020, okay, he claims his first meeting was with Mitterrand, Mitterrand of Germany. Mitterrand was of France. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. But the bigger problem, okay, is Mitterrand, who was running France at one time. It's not that he got the country wrong. It's that Mitterrand died in 1995. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. So Biden in this clip I'm about to play you says that the minute he won the presidency, he flew overseas and told the world that America is back. And he said, I, you know, talked to Mitterrand of Germany, which Mitterrand was not the president of Germany, but he does claim he talked to Mitterrand, regardless of what country Mitterrand represents. If he died in 1995, it's pretty hard for Biden to be talking to him in the year 2020. That's true. That is true. OK, and I wouldn't harp, but it's not the first time he's talked to a dead person. Sadly, the late great Jackie Walorski got a shout out at a bill signing. Two weeks ago, I played you a clip of him down in South Carolina saluting a representative who wasn't at the event. We just took a picture a minute ago, but he didn't. She was up in D.C., was not at the event. This is not new, okay, but this clip is concerning, okay? And I only jump out at this 
Because my guy, man, Uncle Sonny, my bet, Uncle Sonny's the funniest guy in my family. He's a really funny character. Okay, he sadly uh, wound up with dementia later in life, and we used to visit him in a memory care unit out in Utah. And uh, when you're around this thing for the first time, it really jumps out at you because you've never spoken to a human being, let alone one you love, and seen them talking nonsensically. But the minute you see it, you don't unsee it, meaning if it happens again from another person, it becomes glaringly obvious. Does that mean I am, you know, a physician who can professionally diagnose Joe Biden? Of course not. Okay, but what case can you make for this? This is not a speech impediment. This is a man who repeatedly tells you stories about how he spoke to people who are no longer alive. We have a president that is clearly not all there. This is it. Clip two. Right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. It was, in, it was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? Biden's lost his marbles. Okay, so Mitterrand looked at him, except Mitterrand didn't look at him, except Mitterrand didn't run Germany. Okay, he caught himself on the correction, but didn't catch himself on the name. And I understand you've been around a long time. You meet a lot of people from different, you know, Different eras, different leaders, different regimes. It's fine. But the way he speaks, okay, it's not just confined to the living and the dead. Here is Biden, okay, saying in, in, as it regards to Trump, uh, if I were Trump, I'd want him to debate me too. Okay. This is so bananas. Here it is, clip three. Mr. President, President, Donald Trump is ready to debate me right now. Do you accept? <laughs> is this a good on radio? What do you say to immediately? Me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will you debate I, him? If I him, I'd want to debate me, too. He's got nothing else to do. Oh, he's got nothing else to do. And other than the fact that he's running for president and actually campaigning, as opposed to Joe Biden, who's actually skipping the Super Bowl interview. Okay, Joe Biden is not doing the Super Bowl interview this year. He didn't do it last year. Okay, when you do the Super Bowl interview, just so you guys understand, if you ever find yourself president of the United States— and you find yourself on a Sunday doing the Super Bowl interview, 75% of the questions can be answered with the word guacamole. That's true. That is true. You can ask anything you want. Well, you know, but today with the big game, all I'm thinking about is guacamole. And they don't push back that hard. If you want to throw in a beer, all I'm thinking about is beer. You can answer pretty much every question. Are they going to ask him one or two questions that might be challenging? Yes. Somebody might ask Biden what his name is, at which point that would be very challenging for him to actually repeat. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. The guy's a mess. OK, but the point is, when I talk to you about this stuff, I am not on the air like, hey, vote Republican. Yeah, the Republicans suck. Did you hear Chip Roy yesterday on the show? Light the whole party on fire over this terrible border deal they're trying to make. It's like the bill closes the border by only allowing in 5,000 people a day. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. Exactly, because it's not closed. If it's closed, nobody gets in. If 5,000 people a day get in, it's open. You understand? Okay, so Chip Roy calling out his party for accepting the terms of this deal is admirable because most people don't have the guts to do it. 
But when I get on the air, you understand this is not a show. Okay, I worked so hard to get here. I just, I'm not shilling, man. I don't do it on TV. I don't do it on the radio. If the Republicans suck, I'm going to tell you about it. If the Democrats suck, I'm going to tell you about it. If the president has dementia, I'm going to tell you about it. And here's a newsflash. The president has dementia. I agree with that. When they let him sit for questions, it's always with a predetermined list of reporters, and he always has a note card with his answers. That's not a press conference. That's a play. It's theater. Okay, and I'm not happy that we find ourselves in this position. Okay, if you tell me another younger, more able Democrat is going to be the president, I'm, f- I'm fine with it. If the country does well, I don't care who the president is. I, I absolutely don't care. I, I, you know, I lean to the right. I prefer conservative principles over liberal principles, and I think that stuff really does matter in the long run, and we're certainly watching that shake out in the short run in terms of how fighting all the wrong battles have really dragged our society into a ditch right now. Okay, that's reality. Everything woke turns to Straight up. Okay, but when you've got a guy out there that actually can't sit for a friendly three-minute interview, so I'm busy. Dude, they've spent 40% of their presidency on a Delaware beach. Okay, 40% of this presidency has been spent on, in Delaware, hanging out in a lounge chair. And like, oh, but he can, he can work when he's in Delaware. Just because he's in Delaware doesn't mean he's not working. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, he didn't know Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, was in the hospital for four days. And you know what that tells you? It tells you he wasn't reading his morning defense briefings and going, by the way, where's Austin on this? How come he's not delivering them? Okay, normally he would deliver them. Normally he would be mentioned in them. The fact that Biden doesn't even know where the guy in charge of the whole entire military is for four days means there is a chain of command issue, not just with Austin not informing, okay, the people beneath him, but with the president of the United States not being kept in the loop on the most important developments in our military. Okay, that was the moment you knew he wasn't in charge. Okay, you've heard people on the show that have gone to the White House and met him. And said, yeah, it's really weird. Sometimes he's just staring off and other people run the meeting. Sometimes he's sort of engaged. He has moments where he makes sense. He has moments where you ask him a question, he answers a completely different one. Sometimes he interrupts you with a story that has nothing to do with what you're talking about and forgets the end of it. That's reality. That's what's in the White House right now. That doesn't mean you have to go vote for a Republican, but it does mean you need to vote for somebody who knows what state he's in. Okay, because the excuse they're telling you for not doing the Super Bowl interview is telling you a lot more than they realize it is. What is the White House saying? They go, well, we just want Sunday to be about sports. This is not an administration that wants to politicize sports. Okay, I got to be honest with you, man. I mean, you were lying your ass off. This is an administration, okay, that moved the Major League All-Star game from Atlanta to Denver. Because the president of the United States said it was worse than Jim Crow to be asking people for voter ID in Atlanta. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. So they took the Major League Baseball uh, All-Star game and $100 million worth of commerce out of Georgia, which Georgia, by the way, is the second biggest black metropolitan area in the country. Okay, second highest population of black owned businesses in the country are in Atlanta, Georgia. 
and $100 million worth of commerce was taken out of that black market by Joe Biden over a pretend argument about Jim Crow on steroids. That's just how white folks will do you. Okay, by the way, that law that we were told was worse than Jim Crow, where they were beating people to deny them access to the polls, where they were lighting their houses on fire, horrifically burning crosses into their lawn, that law that Biden said was worse than Jim Crow resulted in the highest voter turnout in the history of the state of Georgia. Oh, wow! Okay, and to this day, Stacey Abrams still wants you to believe there was voter suppression. Stacey Abrams is full of But that's how she makes her living. But you understand when they say, ah, oh, we can't do the Super Bowl interview. We don't want to politicize sports. Yo, you move the all-star game. Under the guise... That asking for voter ID was unfair to black Americans in the year 2022 because they were incapable of getting one. That was the sale. Nah, they didn't. Come on, man. What are we talking? It's 2020. They can't do that. Never mind that you can't drive a car, board a plane, pick up your tickets at the ball game, buy a beer, open a bank account, or participate in any corner of polite society without a government ID. The idea that one class of people is not capable of getting an ID, but the rest of us are, is so wildly insulting to that community. But that's how Biden rolls. He'll say anything as a career politician to get himself ahead in the moment. Okay, long before he came out and said, I'm the guy that gets behind gay marriage. Okay, what he said about gay marriage the year before. I got to be honest. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law. The Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? What's the game going on here? Okay, imagine if you said that today in the Democratic Party, like you get fired from your job, you get doxxed, they'd be marching outside your house. But that's where he stood a year before coming out in favor of gay marriage. Okay, the man is, and I'm not saying, listen, anybody crazy enough to get married, let him get married. I'm not telling you how to live your life. Bingo, man, bingo. I mean, seriously, for anybody who opposes it, are you going to tell me by looking at the divorce numbers that, you know, Gay people could be any worse at marriage than straight people are? Bingo, man, bingo! I mean, it's crazy. There's a great comedian, John Fish. He does a joke about how he was single in his 40s. He goes, yeah, I'm, you know, single in my 40s. And, you know, you hear the old phrase, you know, all the good ones got away. He's like, well, what you realize in your 40s is a lot of them come back. (laughs) They get divorced. But the point is, one way or the other, Joe Biden is completely unmoored to principle. But now he's at an advanced stage where he's unmoored to words. They physically don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. Neither does he. And that's why you're not getting a Super Bowl interview. The man is insane. He's not responsible for himself. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Introducing Dementia. 
by Calvin Klein. Dementia. A fragrance that treats everybody like royalty. God save the queen, man. Dementia is bottled exclusively at the White House, but how they do it is anybody's guess. The best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. Dementia. One whiff and all the ladies will want you, dead or alive. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Dementia. Bold. We're changing people's lives. Affordable. Pay them more. Confusing. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to foot him in uh, foot, foot. Excuse me. Dementia. Dementia by Calvin Klein. Now selling at the White House and coming soon to... Nash County, uh... Good goodness. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. How about the voiceover cameo by the lovely Jenny Fallon on that bit? There's talent. There is talent in my family. No, it's true. There's talent. It just doesn't belong to me. <laughs> There's some, there are some talented people in the family. Don't get me wrong. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But man, oh boy, oh man. I bring up talent really quick because I would be remiss. Uh, if this show went on another minute without acknowledging the passing of the late, great uh, Toby Keith, uh, who has gone far too young at the age of seven, 62, uh, a proud patriot who performed for our troops as much as probably anybody in the music industry, uh, sang an anthem that probably inspired a few million guys to enlist in a post-9-11 world. And oddly enough, the way life works, uh, I was driving in this morning for Fox & Friends at 4.30 in the morning, and um, as luck would have, the mood had me just – I was listening to country music. And the, so bizarre, as I parked on 48th Street today, um, I heard Toby Keith. I love this bar. It's the last song as I heard as I was jumping out of my Bronco this morning. And uh, I got into the elevator at Fox, and that was just on the TV that he had died, I guess, overnight or earlier this morning. I don't have the exact details, uh, but I know there's quite an outpouring uh, of – appreciation and love for Toby Keith, not just from his fans, but from anybody who worked with him. Like, the best thing you can be if you're as big as Toby Keith is cool to the regular folks. Okay, I know that because I'm a regular folk. I might have a bio that reads different, uh, but if you've met me, you're like, wow, <laughs> this dude is pretty basic. This guy, if, if humans are electronic devices, Jimmy Fallon is a Commodore 64. Okay, but Toby Keith had such an incredible reputation his whole life uh, for being a big star that fraternized with all of his fans and all of his troops and all of the men and women in uniform. And there's nothing I respect or appreciate more than somebody who keeps it real. And Toby Keith certainly did that. And he was in on the joke that if you live in this country, you hit the lottery because of your unique American privilege. So I don't know what bar you're at. I don't know if you love it as much as he loved that bar, but pour one out for Toby Keith, who was as good of an American as we're ever going to have around here in this great country. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They're playing the cars. If they were performing today, they'd have to rename the band the election, uh, the electric cars. I believe they've been, come on, man. Driving a gas-powered vehicle. What the heck? What the hell is the world coming to? Well said, Jackie Gleason. Well said. Uh, listen, man. I'm trying to keep the mood light over here. 888-788-9910. That is the phone number. If you want to be a part of the show. If you want to review my book, <laughs> like I, yeah, I read this book, man. Do you still have that taxi license on you, buddy? I mean, you're just another dirtbag. Pretty, pretty funny. But uh, the Cancel Culture Dictionary uh, on sale wherever fine books are sold. It is uh, available to you at foxnewsbooks.com. Or if you want an autographed copy, jimmysignedbook.com. Do you know what I'm doing when I get off the radio today? I have to sign the autographs for everybody who attended the virtual book signing. So I have to go upstairs. I'm not even making this up and sign 40-something hundred books today. Like, I'm not even kidding. So it's just, you know, signatures and, you know, too bunky, love Jimmy and stuff like that. But uh, we got a lot of writing to do today. So if you see me tomorrow doing everything left-handed, it's because I got all the books signed today. Uh, but 888-788-9910 if you want in on the show. What we're going to talk about right now uh, is something I don't enjoy. Uh, but there's more race baiting in the 2024 election, and it drives me crazy to watch it play out. Uh, but it, we're here. And it's something that drives me nuts. Why? Because we are about a little under 10 months, a little under 10 months from Election Day. And they're already calling Trump Hitler. Okay. now in comedy, there's an old adage that you don't open with your closer. Okay, I would imagine Hitler is your closer. It's like if you're comparing Trump to Hitler in February, where the hell can you dial this thing up to? Come November. I think he's got a point. Okay, and the point is everybody who lectures you about reckless rhetoric is directly engaged in it at pretty much all hours of the day. It's like the people who tell you about, you know, questioning the legitimacy of an election that'll undermine faith in our democracy. Yet how many montages have I plead you of people telling you the 2016 election was stolen, flat stolen, not legitimate? It was done with the help of Russia. It was made up by these sick people. But they ran with it. And then when Trump was like, they stole the election, they were like, oh, hell no. Ain't nobody talk about stealing no election around here. And that's what they did. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, guy's got to be banned from polite society. You can't say an election stolen. You cannot say it. Okay, you know, unless you are these people. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. Oh. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. Oh! She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. But Hillary Clinton with a straight face is tweeting right now, democracy's on the ballot! If Trump wins, we won't even have elections again. Guy questions an election. That's the end of elections. 
I can play you 20 minutes of her saying Russia stole the election. The point is, it's always projection. It's the reason I hate politics. Okay, it's the reason I don't owe my loyalty to any political party is a lot of them are guilty of the same stuff, you guys. That's why we have to do a better job of sending character to Washington. It can't be all about beating the Republicans. It can't be all about beating the Democrats again and again and again. The Constitution is not drawn up so Republicans can fight Democrats over who controls the government. Constitution is drawn up so the government doesn't control us. Okay, and right now they are very much controlling us because we're too divided to hold the people in both parties accountable. I mean, you think about the Tea Party movement. Seriously, think about the Tea Party movement on the right stood for a lot of good. Let's get spending under control. Amen. I will drink to that as the head of a household who's had to balance a checkbook when there was nothing in it to balance. I understand the importance of responsible spending. Okay, but if you remember, the signature achievement of the Tea Party was going to be what will repeal and replace Obamacare. That's what's going on here. Wrong. Okay, except they all ran on repeal and replace Obamacare for eight years. They made money off of it. They fundraised off it. They rallied off of it. It was a signature part of Trump's 2016 rallies. We are going to repeal and replace Obamacare. Okay, when Trump got into office, the first domestic policy initiative that he pursued was repealing and replacing Obamacare. Unfortunately, all of the Republicans who ran and fundraised on repeal and replace Obamacare didn't have a plan. This is politics as usual. That's all it is. Eight years, they got you. Oh, you better donate. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And they were right to want to, if only because the Affordable Care Act drove up premiums by 300%. Okay, the Affordable Care Act, not affordable. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But every politician who ran on will do something about it, got into office and didn't do a damn thing. Okay, that's the Republicans. So, you know, I can talk to you about either party. We're not here to just win elections for one side. That's lazy radio. A lot of people are doing it. Scroll up or down the dial an inch. You'll find everybody who tells you what you want to hear. But is the country getting better from you listening to it? Is it honestly? The answer would be no. No, the answer would be no. So here's the deal. Okay, when we start talking about the race baiting that's coming out of the left right now, okay, it is something they're very actively trying to weaponize, as you know, because it's hard for people to justify voting for them. I played you the clip yesterday from the MSNBC barbershop segment where the guy goes, yeah, no, all my friends look at it as they had money under Trump. They don't under Biden. That's it, okay? If you are living in a country that's doing better under one guy than it is under the other, you don't care what the media tells you about that guy's personality. It doesn't work anymore. They're going to Hitler because the racism argument isn't getting the job done anymore. There was a time when it worked like crazy. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But now they're not going along with their ideas. When you see them losing drastic double-digit margins with Latino voters and black voters, it's because people aren't listening to this anymore. They just think it's ridiculous. I'll give you that clip again because it's from yesterday. And the minute you hear it, you'll understand why Kamala Harris is talking the way she is today. Here it is, clip 11. You're hearing that, too, that there are some people in your orbit who are either voting for Donald Trump or considering it? For sure. A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've only voted once, you know, for for a president. And Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like, well, 
we were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over again, is that, well, Trump, we had money. Well, okay, I hear you guys. But personally, I morally, I couldn't see myself. Are you stupid or something? Morally, I couldn't see myself voting for Trump. No, no, I'm going to vote for the guy who opened the border, created the humanitarian crisis. Record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths. We're on the brink of World War III. Morally, I couldn't vote for Trump. i got to vote for the guy who did that. It's so dumb. Okay, but getting past all of that, you understand when it comes to Trump, the reason they're going as hard as they are on the race card, okay, is because they're in a really desperate spot with black voters. They're losing tremendously with Latino voters who favor legal immigration. Something people forget about the border border debate is there's not a single Republican saying don't come to our country. They're all saying come here legally. Correct the mundo. Yet somehow the media repurposes this as racism. Wow, you want to close the border? Why? Because these people are different? The media is a bunch of losers. Never mind that the Democrats voted for border wall funding under Obama and under George W. Bush. What they did with Trump, it's called manufactured hysteria. Okay, Donald Trump, for whatever you think of the guy, like him, hate him, doesn't matter to me. It's not my job. Okay, but Donald Trump was part of the fabric of polite society for the better part of 30 years in the public eye. Donald Trump, if you remember, used to go on The View. He was chummy with Barbara Walters. Okay, he had been on Oprah over a dozen times, was a regular on The Howard Stern Show, was on MSNBC. And, oh, did I mention that he hosted the highest-rated primetime show on NBC? It was called The Apprentice for 15 seasons. Fifth seasons. He was on network television. Is this a man who was some fringe loony we weren't familiar with? But when Trump came down the escalator and threw his hat into the political ring, talking in the usual Trumpian terms that he likes to talk at, a lot of bombast, a lot of exaggeration, a lot of ridiculousness. Okay, when that Trump happened, Okay, the media went crazy with, oh, my, who is this fringe Luna? This is not the Donald Trump that I know. Oh, my. But it was. That's the point. Trump wasn't any different as a politician than he was as a person. But if you remember how dirty, how dirty that manufactured hysteria did a guy like Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's a great example on The Tonight Show. Okay, Tonight Show. Okay. Of course, the legacy of Johnny Carson, greatest guy to ever appear in front of a TV camera, so obviously holds a special reverence for me. But understand that Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show was kicking everyone's ass in the ratings, doing what he does best, which is being pure funny. Pure funny means there's no agenda. You're just funny. There's games. There's musical bits. The roots are involved. People like him. He can sing. He can dance. It's variety. It's talent. It's Dean Martin. It's good. Okay, but he has Trump on the show. Okay, and he messes Trump's hair up as part of a bit. And what's the reaction? He should be behind bars. They want the guy dead because they claimed they claimed that he normalized Donald Trump. That is a fact check false. Okay, you can't normalize a guy on your TV show if he's been on your channel for the past 15 years. Bingo. Do you know who normalized Trump? Okay. Everybody in America. Donald Trump was part of everyone's life in America. Whether you watch The Celebrity Apprentice or not, okay? If you watched Oprah, okay? He 
owned USFL football teams. He owned casinos in New Jersey. He promoted boxing matches. Okay, He got married multiple times in the public eye. He was the most public figure we knew. So this idea that this was some kind of fringe loony and Jimmy Fallon gave him a platform to reach the rest of the world is so insulting to any self-respecting person's intelligence, especially when you factor into the equation the reality that Trump had hosted Saturday Night Live that very year. Okay, whoever you want to tell me is a fringe lunatic, okay, did they ever go out and throw him on SNL? Did they ever give him a primetime show on NBC for 15 years? Don't get me wrong. I am living proof that, that you know, TV channels give weirdo shows from time to time. I'm not denying that it happens. But this reality that we were all supposed to pretend and play along with the manufactured hysteria that Trump was somehow an existential threat to the rest of us. You know, the guy in The Apprentice who fired Flavor Flav. No, no, he's going to get us all killed. That's what they ran with. Okay, and for a while there it worked because social media at the peak of its influence, okay, had a a very effective way of scaring people away from their principles. Three years ago, no one was speaking out against biological men competing against biological women in sports, which is why Leah Thomas was winning gold medals. And the girls at the University of Pennsylvania were being forced to change in the same locker room as a biological man. Okay, but that was going on, and none of them said anything. Okay, social media, social pressure, cancel culture, weaponized censorship created a vast gap between what people believed to be true and what they were willing to say in public. Okay, here is Serena Williams, to give you a good example, on with David Letterman. Okay, talking about the prospect of playing against Andy Murray, a male tennis player. This is what she was willing to say in public in 2013. Notice she's not willing to say it today. For me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 in five to six minutes, maybe ten minutes. Because No, no, it's true. It's true. It's a completely... It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit harder. It's just a different game. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. I admire your honesty. That's 2013. Okay, people don't say that out loud today. We're supposed to pretend that the men and the women are the same on the playing field, okay? That's what they want you to believe. You cannot be serious! No, they are serious. Okay, the winner of the New York City Men's Marathon beats the female winner. The male winner beats the female winner by 14 minutes. 14 minutes. And that's in New York, where all the women are running faster because they're getting chased. Okay, but you understand that this whole gap between what we believe to be true and what we know to be true got so vast that when you start to see them running back to the race card as society is course correcting, it's not working. Here's Kamala, clip five. For years, the former president has stoked the fires of hate and bigotry and racism and xenophobia for his own power and political gain. He accused immigrants of, quote, poisoning the blood of our country. And after neo-Nazis 
marched in Charlottesville, he said there were, quote, very fine people on both sides. Mm. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Whoa, get out of here. Wait. So you're telling me Kamala was giving us a bum steer. But this is what we're down to. Fake racism is their real strategy. It's so sad, but it's exactly where we are. The left weaponizes race whenever they're losing an argument. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Do you want to hear some new dates from my stand-up tour? Do you guys want to hear them? Uh, some of you guys will be excited about this. Some of you will not. Uh, but listen to this list, and we're still adding. But it's gotten psychotic. March 1st, Colonial Theater, Idaho Falls. March 2nd, Crest Theater, Sacramento, California. Let's sell that out again. It was such a great gig. March 8th, the Amaturo Theater in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. March 9th, the Ponte Vedre Concert Hall in Ponte Vedre. That sold out already, so we edited an early show at 5 p.m. March 9th, Ponte Vedre Concert Hall. March 29th, Helena Civic Center. Coming out to see my buddy John in Helena, Montana. Hey, girl. March 30th, Fox Theater, Spokane, Washington. April 5th, Federal Way Performing Arts Center in Federal Way, right outside of Seattle. Hey, KTTH listeners, get your ass there. April 6th, the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. I was on yesterday with Nate and KBOI out there. You better come. That's the Egyptian, April 6th. April 13th, Mars Music Hall in Huntsville, Alabama. May 11th, the Wetzel Performing Arts Center in Sarasota, Florida. May 12th, Mother's Day, WDBO listeners at the Plaza Live in Orlando. May 18th, the Schubert Theater in Boston. June 7th, Majestic Theater, Dallas, Texas. June 15th, Soul Joel, Sunnybrook, Pottstown, PA. June 22nd, the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. July 5th, the Green Valley Ranch. July 13th, Colorado Springs. July 26th, Biloxi, Mississippi. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, man, here we go. And it is going to be a feisty hour. I'm hungry. Jim Jordan's coming by. Emily Campagno's coming by. I'm doing a little radio, but I am, of course, a TV host as well. They don't feed me anymore. It's just Greek yogurt, and I cry. That's pretty much my diet during the week. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And of all subjects to talk about in this hour, we got to talk about the border. That can't be good. Nothing works me up more as a parent. As a guy who cares about this country, then what they're doing at the border, whether you're talking about Biden or Mayorkas. You have no idea how to defend a nation. No, ma'am. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the hour. You want to talk me off the ledge. The champ is cranky, man. Oh, this isn't good. It's not. You've got to get mad. All right, I'm already mad. I don't have to get madder. I need to calm you down. You know, radio is, I say this all the time, it's a buddy cop movie. You get in the car, you hear a new partner's voice coming out of the speaker, and you've got to decide if you can ride along with this guy and fight crime. Okay, so I'm not being a very good partner by coming out of the break all worked up. But I got to tell you, if you're looking at this border deal right now, we have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Okay, Chip Roy was on the show yesterday. I love Chip Roy because Chip Roy will come on, light his own party on fire, straight fire the last two times he's been on the show. 
He's like, no, the Republican Party? He's like, they're all full of And most of them are. Most of D.C. are establishment politicians. They go along to get along. They'll sign any bill that continues to fund the war machine. They like that kind of thing. Okay, but in terms of prioritizing the country, you've got a border bill where $20 billion goes to the United States, $60 billion goes to Ukraine. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. And again, I'm not saying screw Ukraine. They need our help. They're an ally. You give them the help. Okay, but I do want to live in an America where we spend more on America than we do on the other countries. I think he's got a point. Okay, that $60 billion is designed to do what? Protect their border. Okay, Russia invaded. We got to protect the border. Here's $60 billion. I do not on any level endorse what Russia is doing. I think it's terrible. Okay, but the idea that we're spending $60 billion on that invasion, but, you know, when it comes to our border, I don't want to call it a military invasion, but when you think of the 200,000 people that have died of fentanyl poisonings in the last year, I think there's a very valid argument to be made that although this might look different than a war, the end result is the same. Okay, in fact, it's not the same because we don't have 200,000 dead Americans in Ukraine, but sadly we have them here. And the number continues to grow because of the indifference at our southern border. So when you hear this bill prioritizing other countries, when you hear this bill saying, oh, we're going to cap border encounters at 5,000 for one day again and again and again, that's not closing the border. If you go to the mall and they go, sorry, guys, stores closed. We can only let 5,000 of you in today, okay? Is that a closed border? It's wide open. Here's Chip Roy. We'll start with him. Throwing the fastball, clip 20. What I'm telling you is the cartels would adapt. I, I they hear would what you're adapt. saying. There would be 4,999. I should note, the people who wrote this bill disagree with you. They say it would shut down the border right now, including Senator Sinema, who, uh, as you know, is from Arizona. Right. But can and I they, ask you, they because... Don't, they don't know what they're Congressman, talking about. Though, Congressman, you know, I've, I've covered Washington for a long time, and, and Republicans have been demanding something be done on the southern border. And I understand you don't like everything in here, but there is money for the wall. It curbs asylum seekers. It makes the burden of proof higher. ICE is getting $8 billion dollars in emergency funding. It deals with parole. So isn't the argument that getting something is better than getting nothing? No, because every one of those things you just mentioned, it actually makes it, in many cases, if not all of them, worse. I mean, man. He knows what he's talking about. Because what it's essentially doing is codifying illegal immigration in a way that makes it law. Okay, when you tell me we can let in 5,000 people a day, okay, That is not closing the border, number one. Number two, okay, it's again letting 5,000 people a day cut the line of the people who tried to come here legally and do the proper work. Okay, again, no one is telling you we don't want immigrants. The whole country is built on immigrants. You need immigrants. You just want them to come here legally. But what they keep trying to repurpose this as is some type of racism. Democrats are so full of crap. Okay, but that's what's going on. Okay, when you hear Joe Biden, okay, he was out and he spoke in Las Vegas yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. 
but it did. Here is Biden talking about why we need help, why won't the Republicans give him help. Okay, understand the things that close the southern border, the Remain in Mexico policy, which is number one, the key provision, the single most important provision to securing our border is Remain in Mexico. Remain in Mexico was rescinded with a pen. He signed an executive order eliminating it, which means he could sign an executive order re-implementing Remain in Mexico right now. I agree with that. Okay, but he doesn't want to do that because reinstating a Trump policy would be an acknowledgement that Trump was right and he was wrong. So in this instance, they're trying to put the facade of some of these policies back into place through the means of a bill. So it looks like they did something bigger than just go back to what Trump was doing. You are correct, sir. And again, I'm not running the Donald Trump Radio Defense Fund. I'm running the United States of America has a border that's the front door to the House. And right now we've let 8 million people cross the border. Not ideal. Okay, but when you start to hear the characterizations of this stuff, okay, screw the country, screw the migrant, you know, the Republicans are a bunch of racists. It's just not happening. Bill Maher, to his credit, spoke out about Biden lying and saying he needed a law to fix immigration. Here it is, clip 33. Part two of the acting yeah. is Joe, is, is Joe okay. Biden saying, you know what, if you just give me a new law, a new law, why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing laws. And border patrol this, this is also right silly. To your face. I need a piece of yeah. paper from Congress to deal with the border. No, you already have that. That's right. That's right. I mean, there you go. Okay, give it to Bill Maher on that one because he's telling you the truth. Okay, they could take a pen right now and solve the whole entire problem. Why are they not taking a pen and solving that problem? It's very simple. The politics are more important than the people. That's true. That is true. Okay, signing an executive order does not get him a legislative win in an election year. But putting out a bill that doesn't actually secure the border but creates the appearance that they're doing more than they are, which is true. They would be doing more. Okay, the head of Customs and Border Patrol actually likes the bill, if only because it gives them some help that they're not getting. So it's not to say they're all against it. Okay, but you understand if the long-term consequence of this bill is that 5,000 people a day can get in, is that $60 billion leaves the country, $20 billion stays, but this is all money that we're completely printing out of thin air. That is financial lunacy. Okay, if we're going to go print money out of thin air, devalue our currency, and increase the chances of inflation, which is by definition too few dollars chasing after too few goods, okay, then you damn well better believe we should have a bill, okay, that does everything on earth we want it to. We're not negotiating with another country. We're negotiating with ourselves. This is the biggest thing that drives you crazy. When you hear Mitch McConnell initially say, well, this is the best deal we're going to get, so we should take it. Wait, what? It's our country. We're only negotiating with members of our country. So how is a close the border bill that leaves it open and sends $60 billion to Ukraine the best we can get if we're only negotiating with ourselves. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. So when you start to hear the rhetoric around the border, okay, revolve around, well, you know, the language, and I don't really want to help, and these guys are the problem. Understand this, okay? I don't care who you vote for. Donald Trump cut illegal border crossings by 80%. And under his administration, they were at the lowest recorded point in the history of this country. Okay, whatever you think of him, okay, whatever you think of Biden, 
Biden got into office and rescinded the very policies, the very policies, okay, that had cut those crossings. That's stupid. Use your common sense. And everybody thought it was good because of what? Well, it's racist. Building a wall is racist. Never mind that the Democrats voted for border wall funding under Obama and George W. Bush. And oh, by the way, if building a wall was so racist for four years during the Trump administration, how are Democrats suddenly on board with saying we'll build a wall? Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Does anybody go back and revisit the four years of screaming walls are racist? We should be building bridges, not walls? Of course not. It's all a charade. And that's the point I'm trying to make, okay? We aren't supposed to beat each other up politically because it's pro wrestling at the end of the day. None of these guys care about us. You know, you go to a wrestling match and the Ultimate Warriors fans beat up the Undertaker's fans in the parking lot. And while they're doing that, the Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker are heading out to Hooters. Hubba, hubba. Okay, that's politics. These two parties get on TV and fight every day. Okay, but at the end of the day, when it comes time to pass a bill, they're all in the same business. Keep the lobbyists happy, keep the war machine happy, and sell out everything else you've got in the name of getting these bills passed. That's what's being happened. That's what's happening, to say it in English, all over Washington. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. When you're right. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon, joining me now in studio. You know her. It's the Human Happy Hour. Uh, Outnumbered co-host, fan favorite on this program and all media programs around the world. She's a favorite on shows she's not even on. It's the kind of heat Emily Campagno has. Hey, girl. Hey, that's nice of you. I'm buttering you up because this is going to get ugly. It's been a (laughs) We haven't seen each other. Usually we start off well when we haven't seen each other. By the end of the interview, this is, you know. (laughs) <laughs> this. I'll have the restraining order out. Yeah. You'll have the chains you, out. You, Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. That's usually how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually where this thing is headed. Uh, but in the meanwhile, here we are. And uh, welcome back to the show, Emily Campagno. Happy Super Bowl. Happy Super Bowl, man. So exciting. You get the Chiefs. You get the Niners. I don't care. I think you get a good game either way. I'm going to be in Vegas. Yep. I'll, I. What's interesting to me is the... Super Bowl, I've, I've been to one Super Bowl, and it was 2020 in Miami where the Chiefs played the Niners. Oh, my goodness. It was exactly this. So it's 2.0 for me. I don't know yet if I'm going to be in the stadium because I planned since knowing that this was at Allegiant, and then obviously it was postponed for COVID. But So I've been planning on going. A ton of friends that live in Vegas. My fiance and I are going out. Everything's going to be awesome. And then sort of last minute, our homies are like, oh, we'll get you in. But I'm not as interested. I mean, look, I'm not a hater, but I just I'm like, eh, I'd actually rather watch it from the party with all my homies outside. I don't need to be in it. But the thing that's different about now versus 2020 is back then I was rooting for the Chiefs because I wanted to see the Niners get beaten as a Raiders fan. And then now I am just. I just want the Chiefs to just go away. So I will I will be rooting for the Chiefs to lose. I'm not uttering, mind you, I'm not rooting for the Niners. Uh-huh. I am rooting for the Chiefs 
to lose. Well, that's listen, that's fair. That's good analysis. I think a lot of people have watched the year play out the way it has. You know, it's been the year of the Chiefs in every way, but it would be an epic punchline. You know how the Barbie movie ended with, you know, it was a two-hour rally against the patriarchy and then only a guy got nominated for an Oscar and it was kind of a joke in that way? No, Jimmy, because in this room of the two of us in here, you're the only one that has seen the Barbie movie. I didn't see it. I'm saying the joke. Is that why you're not quoting it to me right now? Talking about how it ended? (laughs) I didn't say have a poster up on your wall right I'm now. I'm talking the about poster. the nominations. Are we I'm talking not... about Super Bowl or are we talking about Barbie, Apparently Jimmy? Apparently both. Uh, and anyway. anyway, I'll steer the conversation. <laughs> uh, host, guest. Can we work that out? <laughs> Let's uh, weird how this works. Now, Emily Campagno's in studio, much to my chagrin. But wait, here's and, my uh, question. Was it, is it the year of the Chiefs? Like, it's, it's, well, that's it, what I mean. That's the punchline would I be. It was a manufactured. Well, I don't think it was manufactured. I think they're together. But what I'm saying is this storyline plays out on the world stage this Sunday, and we get an epic punchline if they lose. The whole right. year is a punchline. Right. And I root for things like that. As somebody who's in, co- you know, in comedy, totally. the idea that this whole season becomes a punchline is very funny to me. Yes. So as, I'm like almost like you in that I'm obviously not a Niners fan, but at the same time, I am mm-hmm. a fan of karmic hilarity. Yes. And if they lose, it's very funny. Totally. And to be clear, the manufactured element that I mean is the oversaturated media about one particular portion of the Chiefs that has nothing to do with football. The reason it's the year of the Chiefs has nothing to do with football, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I had a, a, read a great comment by one of the Fox viewers the other day, and he said, I, I, I've watched every Super Bowl since I've been alive. And it's just getting harder and harder to do so. And I'm like, yes, yes, because nothing is about football anymore. I'm tired. I I mean, I just said, do I even want to go in there? I really, do I? And although, I don't know, maybe if I I was in the stadium, that's the only way I would actually get to have it be just about football in that moment, I guess. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm watching it on the screens, we know what the camera is going to be showing me. It's going to be showing one particular person in one particular suite the whole time. (laughs) That I don't, I don't, to me, has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, right? So, um I get it. Well, listen, man, uh, I just hope for a good game, but that punchline would be amazing. And the truth is for the Super Bowl, and I think everyone should know this, you know, because the Super Bowl is such a great American spectacle, but it is bigger than the game in the sense that you're drinking and eating good food and hanging out with your people. Like I've been spending the Super Bowl at my mom's house because this goes back to like my gambling heyday. Mm -hmm. We've probably spent 30 Super Bowls there, you know, and it's like an annual rite of passage at my mom's that we engage in. Uh, and I love, I love the anarchy of being a Super Bowl fan, meaning the Super Bowls, I probably eat more on Super Bowl Sunday than any day in my life. I probably traditionally would drink more than any day in my life, except I got a job where they put me on TV and radio on Monday mornings. Nerd. I know. My Super Bowl intake Quitter. is depressing now. It's not the same. There was a time where he was like, come on, Jimmy. Speak for but yourself. now I play a little more defense. So we're talking to Emily Campagno about the Super Bowl uh, and other things. The Fox True Crime Podcast does a new episode, does it not? Oh, yeah, it's so good today. Candy Montgomery. So this is a really what's great about today's episode is a lot of us think we know a story. We think we know instantly often whether Mm -hmm. someone's guilty. But what I bring you today is the story of Candy Montgomery, who was acquitted for a 41 axe strike murder of her neighbor, the wife of her paramour, because she argued successfully at trial that it was self-defense. And who I had on was her defense attorney. And so at the end of this, the point is, she is innocent. Whoa. A jury of her peers found her innocent 
you know, acquitted of murder um, uh-huh. on the basis of self-defense. And, and for so many people who think they know the story and, and think that it's otherwise, the whole point is it isn't here. That's what the jury found. What? And so hear it right from the horse's mouth, the defense attorney. It's a fascinating conversation, a fascinating episode, only at the Fox True Crime podcast. And people love it. You get to hang out with Emily and see her in her element, okay, because you obviously have this, you know, massive legal background. Well, my um, element, let's be honest. Is... Well, yeah, no, you're a dirtbag. I get that. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, professional element. It's screaming obscenities at the TV during Super Bowl while shoving a hamburger and a hot dog down my throat at the same time. I have to take over for two since you no longer do it. Since Jimmy <laughs> Fallon eats salad and drinks water at Super Bowls now. The don't whole, worry, everyone. Emily know, will carry the flag. The whole Super Bowl comes down to whether or not I have to be in America's newsroom. If I have to be on TV at 9 a.m., it's a different Sunday. If all I got to do is make it here for radio by noon, look out, world. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Chestnut <laughs> is back. I'll be wearing a See you on Tuesday. Thank you. Uh, Emily Campagno, best of the best. Uh, a quick break, and then uh, we're back with Jim Jordan from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. But, yeah, there went Emily. Uh, get her out. Get um, her out of here. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you're listening out in Las Vegas, just signed a deal to return to the Green Valley Ranch. I cannot tell you what the best show of last year was. That was Green Valley. I was there with Kennedy last year. I'm going back. It's a solo date as part of the Everybody Calm Down tour. Uh, And me and Kennedy are going to be back out doing events late summer as well. But uh, as a leg of my solo tour, uh, Green Valley crowd was outrageous. I'll tell you, the shows that jumped out at me the most last year, I could get to them. But you know what? Our guest just called in, so we'll circle back to this. There are a couple of markets out there that, I mean, man. You know, I tell you about the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. Uh, We loved just absolutely loved that theater. There's a lot to get to, but hold on. We got bigger fish to fry. Joining us now, superstar representative from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. I believe he was just taking a vote, doing adult stuff, but he's here to dumb it down now. Jim Jordan, back on the show. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? Are you going to the Super Bowl? Uh, you got your you got your own show. You're doing all these yeah. fancy comedies. I mean, I figure you're like one of the stars. Yeah, listen, in the, in, in the same box with Taylor Swift. If, if they wanted to... me to do a half uh, a stand up set at halftime, I would do it. Yeah. But they yeah. have not reached out. I'm not just I'm not going to go pay to get into the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, if my means, that would be an outrage. I kid. Yeah. Uh, really quickly though, you got the Chiefs and the Niners. What do you do in this game? What do you? What do you? I mean, who is Russell betting? I guess is the question. Well, that, you tell me. You're the expert. You know, I don't bet, but I know. you're. I, well, you got to like Brock Purdy. What was he the, the last pick? And you know, now mm-hmm. he's in the good Super story. Bowl, so yeah, it's a great story. It's a great story. I kind of, I kind of wanted the Lions. Like I think a lot of just because you like to coach, it goes for it on fourth down. What mm-hmm. you know, ninety nine percent of the time, or it was it wasn't quite that high, but whatever the percentage yep. was, thirty percent or forty percent, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so, anyway, I'm kind of for the Forty Nine ers. I think okay, fair. It's a good story. I mean, one way or the other, you know, you know, the Chiefs have won a bunch. I have a lot of listeners in East Texas. Uh, you know, right? He went to high school in Tyler, Texas. So my KTBB listeners are obviously very pro Patrick Mahomes because that's where yeah. he went to high school. But then, yeah. uh, you know, up in wine country, those people send me booze. I can't really root against their 49ers either, can I? You know? So I'll, I will root well, you, for a good game. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, you you like the way Mahomes plays because it, it looks like I mean he's so good, and he, but he also plays like we all did in the backyard. But yeah. know, what's the old country song? Uh, oh, that's so old. I remember Roger Staubach in my backyard. You yeah, know, we, we all play. We all we all ran around and take like you're throwing in and ladder lit and all that good stuff. So. All of those plays, a hook and ladder plays. <laughs> and ladder. It's funny because there's two types of backyard quarterbacks. There's the technicians like you're describing, and then you know. I had another brother who was just like, throw it deep. And you just went deep every down, you know. So it was always fourth and ten because you hadn't completed a pass. Yeah. Uh, I think I told you before, the last time we played out in the front yard, I got, like, canned. Like, I love this you know, story. I, always, I, I, I was always playing. We got all the family. My brother-in-law was up the road. My brother, all the nephews and cousins and all were all playing. And I was always quarterback for whatever. We won the team. And then finally, our, our youngest son, like, he'd come walking back to the huddle and he just started shaking his head, like, get out. I'm <laughs> he got benched. Oh my God, I got benched at by a my own family son. football game. <laughs> that is the greatest story in the world. It really is. We're talking yeah, he was a good, I'm, yeah. I'm bragging now. He was a good athlete. He was four time, you know, he was four time All American, Big Ten champion in, in college wrestling. So he, he was like an athlete. So it wasn't, it wasn't completely whoa, whoa. like I'm just a total, look, you know, look, no good. Give me those player. accolades, though, because what were you as a wrestler? You were an All American, no? Well, yeah, but that was a long time ago. So no, come you know, dad's, on. Dad's bragging about their boy. Ah, oh, that's fair. No, no, I agree. I agree. Like Lincoln, You're bragging about your boy who's like, you know, going to be tied in in the NFL in a few years, and you'll be going to the Super Bowl then. That's exactly. Playing. I'm not going until Lincoln makes a team. I ain't showing up. You know, you know what I'm dealing with right now, which is funny because, you know, he is. He's like 6'5". He's strong. He's like he's, he's he gained weight. He's, he's doing squats. He's lifting weights. Is like, you know, when you walk through the door and you have a kid that age, the first thing you have to do is fight him. It's like the dog. They want to fight. And it's like. They want to wrestle around. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and he's strong. That's the problem. You can't just, like, throw him across the room anymore. Yeah. He's 6'5", 230, you know? So it's an actual battle. So, like, yeah. there'll be days where I come home from Fox, and it's legitimately like a 23-hour day. And I walk in the door. It's 2 in the morning, and he'll jump out of a closet and physically attack me. And I have just have nothing left, you know? Yeah. Six, hit him five, with a, there's some, yeah, there's some leverage there, too. I mean, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough to wrestle around with. No, that's it's not easy. Sure. That's how I get in shape. I fight a child and a passionate dog because the dog, you know, can only say hello by fighting you to the death. He's a nice guy. But I mean, man, Uh, we're we're talking to Jim Jordan, superstar congressman, backup quarterback in his own yard. Uh, Let's talk about this. Uh, The border deal. Okay, it sounds like it isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But have there been any updates uh, since? No, I think this thing. It's you know sometimes common sense wins. This bill was bad and it's not going anywhere, which is which is exactly what needs to happen. We need to address the border situation, just not with this bill. Fair. Um, And and frankly, I think we I think we maybe the last time. I'm actually now for just a simple sentence because I think the problem is so bad. That you need to say time out, and the sentence should be, we, we, and we should use the power of the purse. That's the, mo- that's the yeah. most often power that the legislative branch, I think, one of the mo- biggest powers we have is the, the, the power to control the spending. So we should say on the spending bill, one sentence, no money can be used to process or release into the country any new migrants. Just say time out. Yeah. If you're coming in with a visa, that's one thing. You're coming in for an emergency, that's something. But all these asylum seekers, most of them actually aren't legitimate. They don't qualify for asylum. Mm-hmm. Just say no. We're on pace to get to 12 million. Time out. No more coming in. If we would do that, that's the one thing we can do because anything else that we try to pass, Biden won't follow the rules. He won't follow the law. But this, if you say you can't spend the money, is the one thing we got to – short of that, if we can't get that done, then I think it's a simple question for the country. Do you want Donald Trump? 
who did control the border, or do you want Joe Biden, who opened it wide open, uh, who made it wide open? Yeah, imagine that. We're talking to Jim Jordan. Uh, I laugh because when you hear like, ah, oh, well, we'll you know we'll cap it at five thousand a day. That's not a closed border. If I go to the mall and they go, ah, oh, sorry, mall's closed. Only five thousand of you can come in today. That's not a closed mall. But getting past that. Isn't it technically true that without even passing a bill, okay, Biden could reinstate the remain in Mexico policy? Could he not? Yeah. Yeah, he could. I mean, but that takes a little diplomatic skill. He'd mm-hmm. have to go talk to the president of Mexico. And, and you know, as yeah. President, Trump, president Trump said, either you do it or you're getting tariffs. And Shazam, he figured out he was going to do it. So it takes, it takes that kind of leadership to make it happen. But of course he could do that. He could continue building the wall. And he could say, if you come here, you're not going to be released. We're going to detain you. But he's changed all three of those fundamental policies that were there with President Trump. And that's why we have the problem. Yep. I mean, and that's the part that drives me nuts is I think that they can't just reimplement a policy because they'd almost be admitting fault in rescinding it in the first place. And and they don't want the political cost of that. But I think bigger than that is the takeaway that they wanted this to happen. Like what we consider to be a failure at the southern border, I think they considered it a success until it started to bite them back in the polls. No. Right. No, exactly right. And so the, 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 the basic point is Joe Biden is not going to fix the problem that he intentionally created yeah. it's just not going to happen so he's he's uh he's just not going to do it he's either going to it's it's going to happen if we say you can't use money to process a release in the country new buyer that what i just talked about or it's going to happen when we get a new commander in chief nope. one of those two one of those two things the only way we solve this well said and i agree uh last question then do we know who russell is betting before i let you go or should i find him offline russell is standing here russell who are you betting Niners or Chiefs? He doesn't, know he the doesn't line. even he doesn't know, know the line. line. <laughs> that, that, that's like my wife asking me if Cindy Crawford walked by. I didn't even check her out. No, I didn't see her. Is that Really? He doesn't know the line. The last time Russell texted me, he was betting the over three garbage cans in Section 219 of the National Championship game. He's like, I'm going to take 12,000 feet for the altitude of the blimp, and I'm parlaying that with the National Anthem being under 60 seconds. I mean, stop it. He just insulted millions of listeners around the world <laughs> they know this man oh man yeah. you're the best well i hope you enjoy the game yeah. uh tell, tell russell we wish him the best in his wagers right. if he decides to look at the line yeah pull up <laughs> push-ups and sit-ups for lincoln and and then get him in the weight room and, yeah, and, you yeah. Know, yeah jim pull ups, in the NFL. hold on pull-ups push-ups and sit-ups for me so i can yeah. fight lincoln all right <laughs> lincoln's got enough training tips out of you for one weekend okay <laughs> let me tie the fight up and then we can give him new techniques okay <laughs> Be well. right, You're the best, Jim. See you See soon. You the great Jim Jordan. There he goes. Russell, who runs his press team, says he has not looked at the gambling line. You are so full of sh. I got to tell you, Russell, Jordan, are the best people, online, offline. Jim Jordan will call you up and be like, hey, is Lincoln working out? What's going on? Football. You got to, you know, at that, at that, that age, you got to lift weights, you know. It's all about, you know, strength training at that age. It's the difference. And I tell, I tell Lincoln, and to his credit, he's working out. Okay, but Jordan actually calls because he'll like talk to you about the country and he'll talk to you about your kid and about, you know, what it takes to succeed at the collegiate level because he was a superstar college athlete. Okay, but Russell, who checks in with me all the time, is always checking in on like the most exotic gambling propositions, like things you didn't even know you could bet. Like, really, they have a they take the barometric pressure at Allegiant Stadium where the Super Bowl is playing and you have a bet. It's bananas. So the fact that he said, ah. 
I don't know. I haven't even looked at the line yet. I mean, come on, Russell. I mean, dude. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But anyway, I do like talking to him about the border and getting sober analysis, but it's not being deployed by Congress. Okay, two things. Biden could re-implement the Remain in Mexico policy. The reason that's significant, understand this. Whether you like the show, you hate the show, you like me, you hate me. I just give you honest takes about the country. Remain in Mexico was the reason we didn't have the problem we have today. Why, Jimmy? What do you mean by that? Well, since you asked. Okay. What Remain in Mexico did was it forced anyone apprehended at our southern border to remain in Mexico until their asylum case was granted. Now, you understand the backlog for asylum cases right now is three years plus which means you're going to wait at least three years before you're told whether or not you're allowed into the country. Okay, that is a tremendous deterrent to people who are going to travel thousands of miles if they don't think they're going to get in. The reason we're getting the numbers that we're getting is because they're getting in. You know, when they say, oh, well, you know, we need a new immigration bill, you know, so they stop. No, no, no. They're not coming because of the bill. They're coming because they're getting in. If the border is secure, you don't come. Okay, but understand what Remain in Mexico did is it took the teeth away from the drug cartels, the ones that are running a human trafficking operation at our southern border that's generated $2 billion in illegal revenue. Whether we're talking about smuggling fentanyl or we're talking about smuggling in the child sex trade, it's happening because the cartels now have the power to get anyone into the country they want. You get caught at the border now on purpose because they're not sending you away. They're processing you. They're giving you an, uh, a case date for your asylum case. And then they're letting you loose in the country. Welcome to America. Again and again and again. I completely empathize with people who want to come here and make a better life for themselves and their family. I would just encourage them to do it legally because then you're not traveling in caravans. You're not traveling with cartels and human traffickers and drug smugglers and coyotes. You're actually doing this the legal way, and you're not cutting the line ahead of the 9 million people already waiting to have their asylum cases legally granted. Okay, but they won't go do that because if you rescind, Okay, the ban on remain in Mexico and you reinstate the policy, you're admitting that it was successful. And the one thing they can never do is give their political opponents credit for a success. But what I want to believe, what I'm trying to manifest in the in the universe is in America where we have certain things that are off limits, meaning political opposition comes with a basic decency. If it's better for all of us, then you shouldn't oppose it. Okay, Trump's border policy is better for all of us. Less fentanyl deaths, less human trafficking, less sex trafficking, less migrant deaths at the border. It's literally better for all of us. But it had to go away because of politics. But you understand they're now addressing a border crisis they insisted for three years wasn't a border crisis. They said it was a Republican talking point. It's completely manufactured. And now we're here fighting over an $80 billion spending bill to fix something that we were told wasn't even a crisis. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. Okay, but when they're full of crap to the detriment of the country, that's the kind of thing that gets the champ worked up. That's all I'm trying to say is that, oh, you know, the border schmorter. It's the Republicans. It's dirtbags. They don't know what they're talking about. And then the crisis explodes and they're like, we got to do something about it. Do you remember when they were like inflation? It's not a big deal. It's a Republican talking point. Then it hit a 40 year high and they're like, oh, we got to do something about it. Okay, but as inflation as a overall number is down, your grocery prices are still up at record breaking levels when it comes to things like eggs and milk and bread and meat. 
Okay, so inflation, you might be able to show me a stat that says it's better, but you can't show me a cash register that agrees with it. And that's why we're in the position that we're in, is everybody keeps telling you, okay, about the political, the political angle to each of these stories. Oh, the border, Republicans just want to politicize it, okay? Oh, you know, inflation, oh, crime, education. You understand these core components are not political issues. They're American issues, okay? If education is bad, all of America sucks, okay? If the border is bad, all of America gets the bill. You dig? If prices are through the roof, all of America gets the bill. That's the problem we have right now is you got people in Washington that are telling you things are under control, but the people that are bearing the responsibility of those policies are the ones getting the bill for all of their misdoings. Thanks, big government weenuses. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Earlier in the show, we set aside some time to honor the late, great Toby Keith. He's as good of an American as they come. Uh, joining us now, the polar opposite, with someone who may very well have a Toby Keith story to share. Michael's on the line. Michael! Hey, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks for mentioning Toby Keith, buddy. What a patriot. Yes! His song, uh, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, Ooh. was the perfect song after 9-11, wasn't it? Was it ever, man. It was a great one. Uh, and uh, I know so many guys who basically enlisted, you know, in a post-9-11 world. And I know that song happened to play a big role in the sentiment that we all shared in that time. So for that alone. But, but he spent a lot of time around troops. I mean, he was a home run of a dude. Yes, yes. He went overseas. I mean, he was, I'd say, this generation's Bob Hope kind of guy. Just, uh, I've seen so many pictures of him performing in war zones. You know, it's just, it was crazy. And I, I never heard anything about it when it was happening. It, you know, it was yeah. one of those kind of things. Yeah, you just... So look, mm-hmm. he, he he was he was on I think it was the CMA Awards last fall, mm-hmm. and he performed a song live that was so great. And I looked into the backstory, and I read that Toby was talking with Clint Eastwood years ago, mm-hmm. and he asked him, "How do you keep going at your age? You know, with the movies, directing, and all the things that Clint does." And Clint told him, "I don't let the old man in." Well. <laughs> Toby turned around and turned that into a song, Don't Let the Old Man In. And I tell you, buddy, it will give you goosebumps. You need to look it up. It's on the YouTube. It is fantastic. Wow. Uh, so you're, you're basically, it sounds like you're giving me an excuse to drink and party tonight and not let the old man in. Is that what you're telling me? Is this, well, so are you blaming uh, you a Toby go. Keith song for all of your exploits when you get in trouble with your wife? <laughs> Honey, I'm not letting the old man in. I'm letting the stripper in. You see? Is that what's happening? You just took oh, an wow. in memoriam to justify your debauched behavior, Michael. A new low, even for you. What was happening oh, here? Oh, I'll I'm leave aware. It to you, Mr. Fayla. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> if, if I, you, you better go let the stripper in, Michael. Good talk, as always. I know you got work to do. How about it? The late, great Toby Keith, pour one out. The man is an American icon, and he will be missed.
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Is it ever? We're back in action. Big hour of Fox Across America. Dare I say, an embarrassment of radio riches. We're going to be joined for the full hour, Larry King style, by the great Aaron Berg, who will be with us momentarily. He's just working something out with a fluffer. Is that if I believe it's? I mean, I don't know. They had those in radio. Very impressive deal he has. Very aggressive guest deal that he has here at Fox News. Aaron, of course, a regular on a TV show called Fox News Saturday Night. I do believe he has agreed to appear again next Saturday. Is that true, sir? I believe it is. That's true. There uh, it let is. me just tip this fella. There you go. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Strong sir. hands on yeah, a little guy like that. Hands. You know, these people come across the border, you think they'd be exhausted from the hike. This is a very fisty migrant. <laughs> I, I, I mispronounced feisty. I meant to say feisty. Did he ever? But it he, is great to but be he here. Tipped Thank him you. extra for the fisty part. 888 If you have a question for myself or Aaron Berg in this hour, we will try to get to your calls. We have a lot to talk about. First and foremost, Berg, you haven't heard this anywhere, so I'm glad you're sitting down. I have a book out for sale right now. Uh-huh. And I don't mean to surprise you with that. A lot of people listening don't know that. Uh, but uh, the Cancel Culture Dictionary, which is on sale everywhere fine books are sold, you can get it at foxnewsbooks.com. Uh, you can get an autographed copy at jimmysignedbook.com. I have to sign four, 4,100 of them after the show today. Come on. They're signing a lot of books today. But uh, the point is, uh, I'm not going to get to them all today, but we're going to start signing them. This book, uh, which will perhaps be on the bestseller list tomorrow or Friday when it comes out, we Very don't know. Very exciting. Uh, it wouldn't be possible uh, without the people who listen to the show. Uh, who are in on the joke that we never liked cancel culture. There were people, Aaron, I think you'd agree with this, that stayed out of the way of it because they didn't want the problem. Would you agree? I would agree. But cancel culture only had power in the social media age because people could use their outrage like as a group. You know, like prior to social media, we had people who came to comedy shows and got mad at the comics, but we didn't call them cancel culture. We called them losers. Yeah. Straight up. Small-minded idiots. (laughs) Small-minded idiots, being generous. And, of course, social media gave them the ability to kind of multiply in number. You know, like someone, you know, in that regard, they could take that small-minded idiocy and weaponize it as a group. And in the beginning, it was effective because it could happen fast enough that a corporation was scared into doing something. Lightning quick. Lightning quick. Yeah. When we talk of Shane Gillis... A guy who was hired to write for SNL. Yeah. Hired to be on SNL. To be on SNL. Excuse me. To be a featured player. Yeah. Okay. He ultimately lost the job without ever appearing on the show. Within hours. Literally hours. the announcement. Because somebody went, policed his podcast. Yeah. Seth, whoever the heck. I don't even know his name. Yeah. But he was basically a diversity officer, diversity, equity, inclusion officer for comedy. Yeah. His job was to police comedy content for something to get mad at. Mm -hmm. And for about six months in our lives, those people had power. I I would say even more than six months. Yeah. Until we started to realize where it was coming from. Yeah. And then you started to look into the people, the pendulum swung yeah, back. The and canceling. you're like, let's see who this really great saint of a person is <laughs> that notified us that this comedian said a bad word. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, look at what this person has done. They're <laughs> oh, way worse than wait, this bad word. Hold on a second. Is that a two ankle bracelet you're wearing? <laughs> Methinks thou doth protest too, too much. Too much. So what happened was in the moment they were able to fire Shane Gillis, but now we're living here at the other end of the boomerang where it's just been announced that he's hosting Saturday Night Live, which is Shane, Shane, uh, Shane. Uh, how about it, right? Yeah. And uh, I and think, w- go ahead. Why would he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, I get yeah. the payback, yeah. but you have to think in the back of your mind, this show 
is living in a shadow of what it once was. Well, that's a good point that you make. So I think you could argue that they need him more than he needs them. I think now they're bringing comedians on that have a built-in draw. So if Shane's Netflix special does 5 million views, they're like, oh, at least 3 million of those viewers are going to watch watch him do this. And then their numbers get bumped. You're right. They need him more than he needs them. There was a world where this would be a step up, you know, for a lot of people. But it's almost at least— For me? For you? No, no, straight up. Um, And that's the part I find so fascinating. But it's also evidenced in the sense that— the people who run Saturday Night Live today, right now, yeah. are the ones who fired him. It's not a new regime. Yeah. It's not new people came in and were like, well, we don't like what the old guys did. Right. It's the same guys. And so it, maybe they're eating crow. And yeah. they're like, I don't, I don't think Lauren wanted to fire him. Yeah. I heard that yeah. he went and met with Lauren and they had conversations after they fired him. And he's like, Lauren's one of my biggest fans. I could see that. But it would make sense then because it's very revealing as to how this thing isn't moored to anything. It does like the mob. The mob didn't have values. Right. If the people who fired him brought him back, it means they didn't believe what they fired him for. Right. And that's the point. And when I write this book and when I push this book shamelessly all over the world, I'm trying to tell people in the audience, get it for liberals. Get it? It's not like an own the libs book. It's a, hey, we're all getting screwed by this because you think of like the great art and the great creative, you know, lanes we can go down. That we weren't able to go down two years ago, three years ago. We were because yeah. we weren't Dave Chappelle famous. Right. And but, we fought it pretty yeah. hard. Oh, we, we, we were out there fighting it. No, we did our job. Yeah. We never we never changed the thing about our acts. That's no. why we are where we are. But the truth is. Nowhere. A lot of the. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing terrible. No. Uh, but the point, I get it. But But what I'm trying to say is a lot of the people, okay, that were part of this movement. And the people that were the victims of this movement, okay, they were fine no matter what happened to them. Like, to give an example, when you cancel Roseanne, yeah. Roseanne was sitting on 80s sitcom money. Yeah. She's fine. Yeah. Do I think she might have blew a few bucks on pills and weed since then? Yeah. Judging by some of the – I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe, but it would seem that she has most of it, if not all of it. Yeah. Okay? It was the regular person like you and me that gets the bill because when they when they police the language of speech, it's not the sitcom star. It's the everyday person that starts to live in that world. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say to you is does in a roundabout way, Shane Gillis hosting Saturday Night Live constitute a win for the regular people. I think it does. I think it does. And I also think that it's really significant that your book could be the final book on this subject. Like, while yeah. it's happening. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You talk about, like, maybe this is the end of cancel culture. Yeah. And you put out this prolific thing right as it punctuates the end of it. Aaron Berg is in studios buttering me up on my book. Yeah. That's unbelievable. He's just happy because the Fox Nation cameras can see his new jacket. What did you say it's made out of? This is New York Street Rat. Uh, <laughs> but the elegant, all above 135th Street. Very hard to get. <laughs> These, aren't, these aren't any of those Lower East Side rats. I am sweating like crazy on <laughs> this thing, and this is really a mistake. Some of the finest rat fur I've seen Ooh. here in the city. But that's the part I find fascinating is that I think what we have now, and this is where social media being around a decade, because it's only about 10 or 12 years old. Yeah. Okay. Social media being around a little more than a decade has finally given us the ability to stand behind that magician. Sort of how you said the people doing the canceling turned out to be really flawed people. Yeah. I think in the beginning of this thing, we had to humor it because we just didn't know. And where they succeeded was they created a big divide between what people believe to be true. And what they knew to be true. And what I mean by that is three, four years ago, when men started swimming against women, 
they were allowed to do it, and they won. Yeah. And no one pushed back because they didn't want to be called the transphobe. Right. But over the course of time, that gap has narrowed between the truth and what we were willing to say about it. Yeah. And now you see a full-blown pushback against biological men competing against women. It's That's amazing. only possible if the outrage mob loses its say. Right. In the moment, you're so wrong, but then people look back a year later and like, oh, that guy didn't deserve to lose everything that oh, yeah. he had. By the way, yeah. I mean, you think of the people with, like, COVID amnesty. So yeah. you remember when they were like, you should lose your job, you should be banned from Twitter. Yeah. And then all of those people a year later when the vaccine didn't work were like, yeah, I was in the fog of war. We all got a little carried away, did we not? Yeah. I'm like, well, yes, but only you decided to not feed our families. And an apology's not going to help. No. Apologies don't help. Nope. But I think the truth is, I think we owe a debt of gratitude when it comes to, like, winning a war on fun. I think every comic out there owes a debt of gratitude to Chappelle more than anybody. Why Chappelle? Because he was the one who didn't back down. He was the one who kept flying into the storm of, like, this is what I joke about in my special and people march outside Netflix. But yeah. net, I, think, I think the MVP is not even Chappelle. It's probably Netflix for not canceling Chappelle and yeah. giving them what they wanted. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they, they look at the dollar signs and stuff. And oh, no like, question. Paid them this much no question. Like, and outrage sells tickets. Yep. I told you we were in Toronto last week. Yep. 100 protesters outside. Uh, of a stand-up for Israel show, and then, sure enough, sold out. Wow. Electric. People thrilled to be walking past protesters. Yeah. I mean, there, there's something special about taboo art. Do you want to laugh about that? So you know when The Exorcist came out in theaters? Yeah. They actually, the producers, they strategically parked ambulances outside the theaters. Like, this movie is so out there. Like, people are going to have medical issues That's consuming. Great. And everybody's like, I'm going. Yeah. And they showed up. Isn't that funny? It's priceless marketing. So what did these protesters cost you guys? No, Nothing. I heard a rumor that protesters get paid. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're called <laughs> crisis actors. Yeah. But there was a Canadian news guy that covered this thing. And he's like, look, there's there's evidence that some of these protesters are being paid That's to interesting. protest. Well, I know they're not spending the money on razors. Have no, you seen the women who walk? up and down 6th Avenue? It was crazy. These people, there's a lot of really angry white women. Yeah, thank you. Over really international causes. Yeah. And they have catchphrases. They like to make stuff rhyme uh, about their cause. Well, that's my favorite part about, okay, when you tie protest culture to cancel culture, it's a branding exercise. It's what they do as people. It's like, oh, you guys are going to the, you know, screw Israel. We're going to the climate change. You know, yeah. it's like they're like bands that they see live. And what's so funny is the protests that happen here on Sixth Avenue, there's always flags that don't coincide with the protest. Right. Because they're just they just go to every protest. Oh, yeah. There's like a guy out there with an Occupy Wall Street banner from like nine years ago. Yeah. They just they just show up to show up. Judah Friedlander. <laughs> Aaron Berg's in studio. We're having a grown up talk about all things cancel related. Uh, Shane Gillis has swung that pendulum. He is hosting Saturday Night Live after being fired before he could even perform on the show as a featured player. I think all credit goes to two things. Obviously, Chappelle and people would say yes, the cancel culture dictionary. If you don't have your copy, foxnewsbooks.com. If you want that signed copy to add to the pile, I have to sign after the show. JimmySignedBook.com. Aaron Berg, other thing I wanted to get into, uh, and we're getting into it as the hour progresses, is... A lot of people, when I was out promoting this book, okay, wanted to know, like, man, how has your life changed as a comic in the clubs? And to be honest with you, something you alluded to earlier is that our lives didn't change because we didn't adjust our jokes at all. Did you on any level? No, this is the great old football quote. The the credit goes to the man who's in the arena. Yeah. And that was us. Yep. We were working 
Blue collar comics slugging mm-hmm. it out yep. night after night. Yep. That's what we did. But what I found is, and this is my experience looking out on it, is I didn't feel like we were up against it in the club. I feel like cancel culture was something that the internet makes possible. Sure. Because people who leave the club and haven't had two drinks and agreed that this is all fun are the ones who get their hands on the content. And I think the corporatization of America is what's hurting art so much. Meaning they want certain jobs to adhere to the same protocols. Like, you know, in the military, they're trying to run the military like it's a boardroom now. Right. You know, but it's the military. Your job is to actually kill people. Kill. I don't think you should be held to the same behavioral standards as somebody who's in a boardroom making photocopies right now. No, you're in the military. Your objective is to kill and ignore any orders the Clintons send you. <laughs> uh, and if you're an artist, your job is to push against the status quo. And, uh-huh. it, and it does get conflated because many artists tend to coincide success with money, and that's where it gets messed up. No, it's true. Uh, And he's not just saying that because he looks like Sinead O'Connor who ripped up a picture of the Pope. (laughs) He's saying it because he means it. Aaron Berg, we love you. Quick break. We're back after this. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Aaron Berg in studio doing a full hour as well. You'll watch Aaron on Fox News Saturday night next Saturday. Carly Shimkus will be on the show. Uh, She's a mortal enemy of Mikey, my producer, so don't get too excited about hanging out with Carly Shimkus because Mikey won't be friends with you. I kid. They go back a long way. Carly Shimkus is a multimedia superstar that I started with here at Fox News. And uh, she's super funny, super fun, but more importantly, super informed. Like, there's because she does headlines for the Fox News Channel. Okay. There is physically nothing you could throw at her that she hasn't reported on. Now, she looks like she could be a movie star. Oh, she might be in another, like, if she wanted to be. She's Carly Shimkus. Carly Shimkus. She could do literally anything. Yeah. Um, But she looks familiar now once you see her in the picture. I just showed Aaron Carly uh, a picture of myself and Carly so he'd know who the hell I was talking about because I was explaining to him who he's going to be on the show with. But I think you would argue it doesn't matter as long as I'm there. Yeah, I mean, that's, Aaron that's the exciting part. Well played. I kid, I kid, I kid. But we, Aaron and I were having a little chit-chat about the outrage mob and the cancel culture and everything in between. Because uh, my new book is on sale. I've been promoting it all over TV and radio this week. And uh, this morning, so I was doing the satellite radio tour. And what that is is you call into other, show, other morning shows. Yeah. And they pretend they read the book. By reading you the quotes on the back of the, you know what I mean? Yeah. But to the listener, they're like, wow, this is a very in-depth And then do they yell, Baba Booey, Baba Booey. <laughs> so we were working through uh, what is essentially on the jacket of the book. Okay. And the premise on the book is that the smartphone really ruined everything in the sense that it took life and connected us too much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how they say people can't coexist politically? My argument is that we're good at it. We just are being asked to do it too much. Okay. Like, you used to disagree with someone politically and not see them for three weeks or a month or a year. And that was exciting. Yeah. To and then bump you into see, yeah. each other and disagree and Here have a drink go. or talk. I and can't, then, can't wait till Thanksgiving. Months. Yeah. I got a take for him. You're right. But now it's just playing out in your phone 24 hours a day. Yeah. And that's where I think the phone killed us. Because it also turned disagreement. It incentivized conflict. If you write a funny joke on Twitter right now, it is not going to get a third of the reach as if you just call someone a communist destroying the country or a white supremacist destroying the country. Good point, but I texted both those to you today. <laughs> he did. He can't make up his mind. He's like, I can't tell, Fela. <laughs> and it's funny. If you read my thread, 
One thing I've noticed is uh, there are people that'll jump into your thread who are just dive bombing you because you're on Fox. Yeah. That aren't consuming the content. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I can't believe you opened your show by declaring that a so-called comedy show is only for the Republicans. Yeah. I'm like, dude, every commercial break of my show is like, everybody's welcome. Yeah. But people dive into the thread like idiots, you know. They are idiots. <laughs> Not like idiots. Yeah, they are As idiots. idiots. It, it, it has ruined everything. Do you do this now? Do you take a little bit of time away from your phone? Oh, do you yeah. schedule time away? I don't schedule it, but when it's not in my life for an hour or two, it's also exciting to go back to it. You're like, oh, what I miss? Yeah. What's happening? Sundays, I don't touch it till after dinner. Is that true? <whistles> Good uh, for you. Whole new world. I, I, I was just going to say that to you, right? Whole new world. Is your brain fresh? Oh, your brain's fresh. You're Sharper? spending time with your family. You're uh-huh. like, oh, I forgot I had a daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get her out of that hot car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It is August in Texas. What have I been doing <laughs> Damn, down here? Check on this. Damn guy. you, PBR. <laughs> um, it's great. I love I love detaching from it because I was so dependent on it for so yeah. long. Well, don't you think that if we had a moratorium, something I said on the show is like if I was president, I would say we from time to time, you know, you have a holiday weekend, yeah. a three-day weekend, no phone. I'd love it. And the reason I think it would be good is because you could come back that Tuesday and you could t- tell us all about your weekend and the things we missed. And in that moment, we'd all collectively realize how unnecessary most of this is. It's really unnecessary. Okay. It's nice to phone somebody yeah. or to text somebody. And now I've, I've stopped doing this. I've stopped responding to every DM yeah. where people are like, hey, man, can you get me on this show? Yeah, yeah, can you yeah. do And I'm like, I'm... I'm done. Well, I'm going gonna to live for me a little bit. That, that is my favorite because everybody, when I started here at Fox, just on Kennedy show, that yeah. was in my thread circuit 2017. That was me. That was me. Delete true. all those. But every one of those people that was like, I can't believe you were hubba. You know what I, yeah. I mean? Every one of them yeah. has obviously messaged me. Congrats on the show. Let me know when I can get on. And of I'm course. Like, oh, of course you have. You transactional You remember jerks. that. That's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's going to happen. I like More that. with Aaron Berg. We're letting you stand behind the magician. Uh, an inside showbiz chat. From two guys, well in, you'd say well inside. We well got right inside. past security. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back after this. There it is. Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Aaron Berg in studio for the full hour. Uh, Joe Biden, Aaron Berg, skipping the traditional Super Bowl interview this weekend. Well, good for him. <laughs> it would have been fun, wouldn't it? I love it. Yeah. Give it all, a all balls. The good balls. The <laughs> balls are super. And I like, you know, the thing <laughs> with the guy and the corn pop and the ball. Oh. And the, Dra- Dra- Travis Swift. <laughs> well, that's the problem. He's going to call Taylor Swift a Taylor ham. Yeah. And they're going to have a big problem because he can't call her a ham. Uh, but he might. Here is Biden. Okay, this is the clip that's making the rounds today that I enjoyed so much. Okay. It's Biden talking about going to the G summit, speaking to Mitterrand from Germany. Mitterrand was the president from France, but yeah. bigger than this is he died 25 years before Biden became president. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's go pretend this is normal. Clip two. Right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. I was in, I was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, 
why, why, how, how long are you back for? <laughs> we have a president that is clearly not all there. <laughs> how long are you back for? It's, he has no idea what he's saying. It's sad. It is sad. And the fact that we have to sit here and pretend it's normal. Because it more it jumps out at you more in radio. I think people watch it on TV. Yeah. It doesn't always hit him the same because there no, are things that distract you. Because he's very attractive. <laughs> it draws you in with the eye. He's got a lot of good makeup. He's got that Tom Selleck in his prime type of look. <laughs> so it's distracting. It's TVQ is what they call it. If you, you, know? were, to, if you were to ask Biden, maybe like Tom Selleck, great quarterback on the Patriots. <laughs> And even one with, with the, uh, the the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. No, no, the Buccaneers. Tom, Tom Selleck, Brady. no, everybody's equal. <laughs> we should not sell Toms. We should not buy Toms. <laughs> Tom Selleck, I love his work with Huck Finn. Yeah. He was great. It's sad. Yeah, it is. And when you realize, like, there's the, the Super Bowl interview, it is a layup in the sense that you can answer any question with guacamole. Right. Literally any question. Guacamole. It's a good family-related yeah, yeah. thing, right? It's an easy interview. Pretend to be him. I'll be the press. Okay. Hey, Joe Biden, what should people do for Super Bowl this weekend? Well, I'm not a bowler myself, but if you were to go to the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> now pretend to be a normal person whose brain works and who isn't a puppet for the Obamas. Okay, so <laughs> this is all allegations. A normal person, you go, you know, when you think of the Super Bowl, it's just a great American moment. It's something the whole world watches. It is. It starts with the national anthem on display or the height of our pop culture. Yeah. Okay, our best performers, our best commercials, some of our best actors from years past who resurface in callbacks. Yeah. 50 Cent, it's Chubby, hanging upside down. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that a couple of years of ago? Of course I do. I, I got to roast him two weeks ago. He's in great shape now. Is, is that phenomenal. true? Yeah. Fitty? Fitty. Yeah, I pronounced it wrong. I was like, hello, 50! <laughs> um, Aaron, Aaron Burr getting whiter and whiter by the roast. Super Bowl is an amazing American thing, and I think last year was a peak when Chris Stapleton did the national anthem. Yep. I really think country music is starting to bring people together because on the Grammys the other night, Luke Combs, Tracy yep. Chapman together, and everybody's singing it. It's yeah. amazing how country's coming. Americana is making a comeback. Yeah, but they're getting fined because you're supposed to sing electric car. Oh, That's okay. supposed to have a fast car. You got an electric car. It doesn't ring the same. It's too cold to charge this thing. <laughs> We're going to have to walk now. No one talks about this. We talked about it on the Saturday Night Show. Yeah. In Chicago, they couldn't charge their cars. Mm-hmm. The chargers froze. Yeah. Couldn't start your car, couldn't charge your car. Yeah. No one tells you about that portion of the electric vehicle mandate. This is the problem they'll probably have to get over once they hire enough space aliens to man these things. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's there's a real issue with it. Yeah. Me and you, we're old school car guys. Yep. I got a Dodge Ram. Thank You've you. got that beautiful Camry that you drive around <laughs> Good in. for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cars are meant to guzzle gas. Yeah. That's, that's what they're meant to do. You know, when you think about the Beach Boys... You know, she'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes the T-bird away. It's not fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes the charger away. Yeah. Could you imagine? You think about that song, right? If you've got to charge your car for 14 hours, is it really have the rambunctious vibe of she's got her daddy's car, she's cruising to the hamburgers? You know, at some point in the fun, 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 there's a 14-hour timeout. Can you ground kids now by saying you don't get the car until you pay the Con Ed bill? <laughs> well, you know what's funny about it is – Whatever that Conel bill, bill is, 200, 809,000. Yeah. Okay. You've powered your car with the Con Ed bill. Yeah. You're plugging it into fossil fuels. Right. So all we're really doing is just repurposing the fossil fuels. 
because your electric car runs on fossil fuels. Right. It's made on fossil fuels. Yep. And the minerals, the precious rare earth minerals that China owns 95% of, it's our biggest geopolitical foe, people who are not taking climate change seriously other than the fact that they're selling us the infrastructure. Yeah. We're literally buying the patch off a guy who's chain smoking. He's got a cigar in each hand. Like, hey, can I buy that anti-smoking patch you'll sell me? Do you think they're doing anything with the environment in mind? But it makes them feel good, doesn't does it? Ever? it does really, it ever? Really? If you, ignorance is bliss. Yep. They feel great. Aaron Berg is here. It's the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. And when I think about Biden and I think about skipping the Super Bowl interview, I think part of the reason is they don't really have solid footing. Like, let's say he was of sound mind, which no one believes he is. Okay. But assuming he was of sound mind, they really don't have solid footing on any policy. It's like if they ask him about the border and he's let 10 million people in, there's not an answer for that. You know, you can tell me you have an answer, but an average person goes, no. Okay, the economy. I'm going to play you a clip, MSNBC clip. So MSNBC is doing this thing now called the Black Barbershop. Okay. Where they go into a barbershop and just assumes they're all black, they're voting Democrat. This right. will be a way for us to retain the black vote. Okay. We'll show all the black people and their take on politics and the black people watching MSNBC, which is two of them. Yeah. Okay, it's Joy Reid and her split personality. Yeah. No one else is watching. <laughs> no one is. MSNBC, the entire audience is self-hating white people on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Agreed. Okay. And certainly people in D.C., Beltway elites. Okay, yeah. maybe out in, in, in California. But it's basically self-hating white people that want to be told they're better than the middle of the country. Yeah. Tune in tonight. Okay, Joy Reid will tell you why you're not a racist like the people in the flyover. Yeah. So you're not a transphobe, you know, and that's Morning Joe, too. So understanding that to be the case, they go into the barbershop thinking, all right, well, this is good. Okay. Okay. Except there's one small problem. Uh, It is clip 11. You're hearing that, too, that there are some people in your orbit who are either voting for Donald Trump or considering it? For sure. A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've only voted once, you know, for actually for a president. And Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like, well... We were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over again, is that well, Trump, we had money. Well, okay, I hear you guys. But personally, I morally, I couldn't see myself. Oh, so at the end, he says, like, don't get me wrong. I couldn't see myself. Yeah. Can I tell you something? And you know this? That guy's voting for Trump, too. That's exactly who's voting for. He's on MSNBC, and he wants to make what my friends are saying. It's... They had more money under Trump than they do under Biden. But me, morally. Yeah. Because they know how they're being looked at. Of course. In that moment. But people are going to start to go, oh, maybe Trump's just not this white supremacist yeah. guy because he's making everybody money. Thank you. Those were good years. Were they ever, man? Those were good. Financially, those oh. were good years. And you know how like, we know they were good years? It's because of what we were fighting over. We were fighting over a man's character. Yeah. When you're fighting over a man's character, like that can be the primal thing. That means you don't have physical problems. Right. Like right now, okay, Again, Biden quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. He's talking to dead people. And we still don't even have the luxury of having a national conversation about it because yeah. we have bigger problems than that. Yeah. Like if you were to talk about the border, or education or crime or the fact that we're on the brink of World War Three, when that stuff's going on, you don't have the luxury of being like, hey, did you see what he tweeted on the toilet? Yeah. And that's the problem, okay, is because we fought so many of the wrong battles under Trump, people didn't realize we were winning the right ones. And that's why when MSNBC goes to a barbershop, they're getting pushback because people go, oh, I had money. I could afford stuff at the grocery store. That matters. I heard a statistic yesterday where it's like more people 
are going to vote for Biden to just vote against Trump yeah. and really vote for Biden. Oh, totally. And that's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, you think about CNN. CNN's highest viewership comes from my channel showing clips and going, you believe this? You know, yeah. and then we laugh. And that's how you get a few million viewers. Yeah. OK, but on CNN, there's nobody watching. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. But part of the reason it's bad is they're selling such a hard confirmation bias. What people don't get about Fox, I try to explain this to radio listeners from time to time, is we catch a lot of hell for criticizing Republicans because yeah. we do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trump will tweet about Fox from time to time if we take issue with something he does. You're never in a million years going to see Biden going after MSNBC because they're not going to criticize the guy. No. Not going to go after CNN but they're not going to criticize People guy. don't even look at Joe Biden like a real guy anymore. Nope. They're just like, he's just sad and let's count it down. Other, It's now, you know, uh, is your mom or dad home when you call and he yeah. answers the phone? And then what happens if Drunky has to take over for him? <laughs> Oh, Drunky just pops in there. Do you know that I met Kamala's husband? Did I tell you the story? No. Wow, it's a great story. So I was down in D.C. for the White House Correspondents' Dinner, but the night before, okay, uh, all the agencies have big parties, and they yeah. invite everybody, and they all probably try to steal each other's clients. I don't know how Hollywood works. Yeah. You know, I'm, not ho- I'm Hollywood, Florida. Agents yeah. represent politicians. Yeah, of course. They're all there trying to get TV hits and stuff like that. I met, all- I met someone last night who was a big agent. Maybe Is- I should... Become a politician. Yeah, we work it out. Okay. So let's talk about it. So I met him and A.B. Klobuchar, so a senator from Minnesota. Yeah. She has a reputation of just annihilating her staff, eating salad with a comb. Yeah. And she looks like Rick Moranis in person. So okay. it's kind of like weird to be around at yeah. first. Very much, very much. I was like, I thought it was in a Little Shop of Horrors spinoff. <laughs> But uh, Kamala's husband, to his credit, is an affable, nice. He was a sweet man. He was yeah. not. I didn't want to fight him. I wasn't mad. I wasn't. How dare you? Right. But he would randomly mouth help me from time to time. Come like, on. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> he was actually mad about the amount of Secret Service protection he has. He's like, no, no, it's okay. I want to die. Get yeah. Me out of here. I kid. But Doug Emhoff, and he was a nice enough guy. But what you realize is, and this is, I think, the fatal flaw of this administration. They did a lot of things in the name of representation. When it was trendy, meaning the summer of 2020, right? There's a book out right now that says Joe Biden wanted Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, to be his vice president. Mm -hmm. He liked her. He thought she was super competent. I would disagree, but he liked her and she would have been the VP nominee. But George Floyd happened. Right. And they're like, we're going to win this race by saying the whole country's racist. We can't have another white person. And in comes Kamala. Right. And Kamala had literally in the primaries said Quite honestly, she wasn't lying that Biden had fought to the death against integrated school busing in the 70s. Didn't want his kids going to school in a racial jungle. I got to be honest, that is not the tolerance and inclusion that we preach out of this White House. Yeah. Okay. But she famously kneecapped him in a debate because she said in 1978, you were fighting against integrated school buses. There was a little girl trying to get on the bus. That little girl was me. Yeah. But the minute he called up and was like vice president, she was like, hell yeah. Yeah. She also said she believed his sexual assault accuser, Tara Reid. Mm-hmm. Hell, but the minute he called, she was like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. She's not a she's not an ally. No, no, no. Not on any level. But that's when you see how transactional this is. So what I'm waiting for, and it'd be very interesting to see if this happens, unless they've said to her, there's no world where you're the president, meaning other than he's in office, he dies or gets incapacitated, you become the president. Yeah. But I think they must have said to her, there's no world where if he comes off the ticket, you're still on it. Because I think her being a career strategist and an opportunist that you have to be to be the vice president. I heard that about her. With no qualification. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah she, she, she has... She started from the bottom in more ways than one. (laughs) You know, let's talk about it. But the point is, if that's your M.O., she would absolutely be emotionally and morally capable of being like, by the way, guys, 
he's, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We got to get him out of here. So she must know behind the scenes that there's no way she gets the thing. Okay. But I think that's the biggest problem for the Democrats is when they arranged this marriage, this was a fashionable form of arrangement, meaning mm-hmm. we were just yelling race stuff. Right. Aunt Jemima's got to go. You yeah. Know? Forget that a black family got 130 years worth of royalties. Now you got no money. That's white, in the book, yeah, by the way. Because white people want to give you equality. Okay, got to go. The Native Americans donated the Washington Redskins logo. Yeah. They wanted it on the helmet. A yeah. tribe donated the logo of the chief. It was a picture of the chief. Outrage. And the, the, I mean, think about it. The Blackfeet tribe. Okay? They're going to be in Helena, Montana when I'm there. Go to Helena, Montana. Helena Civic Center, March 29th. You talk to Jimmy Fallon about Chief Two Guns, who is on the side of the Redskins helmet. Great name, But then some the white people jo- showed up, and they're like, no, now you don't get your representation. But the point is, in 2020, that was fashionable yeah. because the outrage mob was so omnipotent that nobody wanted to get in the way. They're like, well, they whacked Aunt Jemima. What if over here at Mrs. Butterworth, they say, we're bad. We, yeah. She's gone. And next thing you know, Uncle Ben was gone. Land of Lakes lady's gone. Gone. They're all gone. And what do they have in common? <laughs> Minority families were making money off of this. Yeah. And now they just lose their paycheck because this is the white, woke person's version of equality. I think, and I'm going to... Not uh-huh. die on this hill, but I think white people have done some bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not all, of course. None worse than cancel culture. I kid. But no, yeah. cancel culture is bad. And that's where, you know, Kamala Harris being the heir apparent, if Biden were to step down right now, is such a problem for the Democrats. You could win election simply by having a black woman on the ticket, however unqualified, four years ago. Yeah. Because if you criticized her, people would just go, why? Because she's black? Right. But now black people are the ones who are sick of hearing why because we're black. Yeah. And that's why they're in a problem. That's why MSNBC goes to the barbershop and doesn't come out with the result they want. Yeah. And that's an empowering place for the country to be, right? Yeah. That means some healing starting. Post-racial society. Now imagine Trump puts Tim Scott on the ticket. It's going to be the funniest summer of our lives. Yeah. Quick break. Back with Aaron Berg after this. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth on the radio. I'll be on your TV, 7 p.m. myself, Laura Ingram, doing our Thursday night WTF segment. Aaron Berg, WTF. Ingram coined it herself, stands for What the Fela. Mm-hmm. It's witty. Great name. It's not bad. And yeah. we come on and, you know, tell It usually jokes. stands for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, for, obviously. Yeah. As everyone who's ever abbreviated it knows. Yeah. It's usually just a way to keep track of your calendar. Your dates. Um, do you have anywhere going uh, soon that we should know about? Oh, yeah. This Let's week go. I'll be in uh, Baltimore this oh! Thursday uh, doing a theater there. If you want tickets, go to standupny.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be in Minneapolis at the House of Comedy February 21st and all around New York City in between. Them. Oh, yeah, he will. So Aaron Berg, for those of you who don't live in New York, is like a streetball legend of comedy. Right. You know, you have guys like Earl the Goat Manigoat, who uh, played up at the Rucker uptown and was as good as anybody in the NBA. But you're actually in the NBA of comedy as well. So oh. it's like you're a street baller, but you're also in the league. Oh, Isn't that fascinating? You. No, yeah. that matters. Oh, believe me. I, you, you know how long it takes to get your own TV show? Like the idea that I'm putting anyone on this show that isn't like effing great. Yeah. You know, with the exception of McBee. I can McBee. I yeah. love you. I know you're listening. Stop it. Okay, but if they're on the show, they're good, yeah. you know, and they're they're a banger in their own way uh, because you just want to make good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you hold it together. Somebody lesser than you, it would just be a free-for-all. Look at this love fest. But yeah. the truth is, 
and this is where I think we're turning a corner on cancel culture, is at the end of the day, people just want to watch good stuff. You want funny jokes. You want to listen to good songs. You want entertaining movies. So I think the last bastion for cancel culture will be Hollywood. Because whenever they get a result they don't like, they're like, well, it's racism. You know, Margot Robbie backed down after we shouted it out on my show, by the way. Because you remember there was an outrage because she didn't get nominated for an Oscar? And then we were like, Margot Robbie got paid $50 million to pretend she was a plastic doll. The idea that anyone should be upset about her quality of life and how this impacts it. But that's how cancel culture succeeded is they divorced us from reality and logic. But I think we're getting back to earth. Thanks to the book. One rat fur coat at a time. What did you call it? Northern <laughs> this is Street Manhattan. Rat. Street Northern rat. Manhattan Street Rat. Only the finest furs when Aaron Berg is in studio. Thank what an sir. hour. Thank you. Felt a little longer, but no, we made it work. The yeah. best. Aaron Berg, you'll see him on my show next week. The show's over. Pay up and get out. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.